Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 129 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Atnip. In the studio, James Cook, Andrew Rosenthal. We're here slightly rejoicing after some pretty good news drops off the hat about 20 minutes before we start recording this podcast on Monday. Governor Gretchen Whitmer lifts the Safer at Home order that was supposed to go through June 12th on June 1st and announces that things can kind of start to reopen throughout the state. Yeah, we bars just got, and restaurants in pretty much every area of the state. Yeah, and we, we got guidance from the MHSAA on Friday after having Cody Inglis on this podcast last week to talk about that stuff. They released all their guidance that they were pondering on over the week after we talked to Cody last week. So we're going to go ahead and dive into that in the Pulse and let you know how they plan to reopen or restart sports this year in the state of Michigan. We have a great interview with the Pittsburghers general manager, Mickey Graham, about the Northwoods League and their strive to get back to normalcy and bring baseball and sports back to Traverse City for this summer. So we're going to make sure we talk to him after they did their virtual opening day last week, which was a lot of fun. I know we went down to the park and got to see some of the new stuff down there. Or we end our GOAT vote bracket with an unsurprising result. We won't spend too much time, but we'll get to that after our interview. We'll add three more players into the Hall of Fame, and then we'll get into our trifecta where you will find out what the mascot to our lives would be. So, gentlemen, two things I want to talk about. We're, we're going to get into the we're going to get into the Gretchen Whitmer order because we're going to talk about the MHSAA. But I had to bring this up, and just because I talked about this on the last couple of podcasts, how much I missed my grandma, and how much I wanted to go see her. I got the day off last Friday, and I went to go see my grandma. And I couldn't think of any way better, you know, with with everything still being locked down, how can we get grandma out of the house to do something that's like outside you know she's 85 years old so i was thinking on the way home and i was like man this might be a little on the way down there i'm like this might be a little selfish but like what if i just take grandma golfing right just toss her on the golf cart and go golfing you know get her outside she doesn't have to walk around she won't get all tired or anything and man it was like 71 degrees on friday it was perfect it was like room temperature outside so yeah i I drove down and took my grandma golfing put her on the cart and we did nine holes because i was nervous you know 18 would be a little too long for her but anyways with grandma by my side, I'm, and I think this makes the biggest difference in the world. When I'm golfing with you guys or golfing with friends, you know, even if you, you know, even though we all suck, we're a little competitive. You at least don't want to look like you suck terribly, or if you do suck terribly, you get a little frustrated, right? When grandma's sitting next to you, no matter how bad of a shot you get, you're not gonna be like cussing and like swinging your club at the golf cart and like it just. Grandma's just like a calming presence on the golf course, and I swear to God, if I had, I had a lot of really good shots. I had a lot of good shots. I think I had like two really bad shots, but grandma was just like, you can do this. And then I swear to God, I recovered. And I think I told you guys before the podcast started, I had two birdies on nine holes and one of them, I literally, my second shot on a par four was on the fringe, maybe 10 yards off, probably 30 feet from the hole. I'm walking up and I'm walking around it, just like pacing around this thing. Like grandma, my grandma's like, come on, Jake, you're going to make this. Just take the shot. Stop looking at it. And I'm like, all right, Grandma, you, you, you know best. And I literally went up and I knocked it and I hit it from off the green like 30 feet. And then it got my first birdie of the day. And I was just like, all you need is like a confidence boost from Grandma. And I think you might be better at golfing. We got run up by golfers on Sunday that were playing. I think they, James, how would you describe them? They were playing the senior holes or the senior tees. Yeah, there was a threesome. It was yeah. Just, it was just three people. I just looked back. I think it was the fifth hole. And they threw their hands up in the air at us, and then and, I'm, and then Brian's like, "Oh, what's going on?" I'm like, "Yeah, they're they're playing this course really, really fast." 
because they were playing the closest tee boxes. Yeah, well, regardless, and it kind of looked like maybe they might have lived there too. Like <laughs> so, they play this course a lot. Yeah, but regardless, sometimes you get stuck behind and ate some. That's just how it goes on the golf yeah. course. They just skipped a hole and skipped yeah. us. I I did that with my we grandma. Were, we were gonna let them play through I, on the I next was, hole, but they just went ahead and skipped it. I was by myself. I think yeah, we got to the sixth hole and I was it was a par five and I was with my grandma and I went up on these five women and then they they let a twosome pass them. And then they didn't let me just pass them with the twosome, and I got stuck behind these five women for like three holes. We were on a par five. Oh, I almost killed these women on my drive because they were down off like a hill, and we had no idea where they were. We thought they were way up and gone. Oh, no, like I landed my ball landed within like 15 feet of them. But then I literally had to stand there for about like 20 minutes until I could try to hit up on the green. And then like 20 minutes later, I tried to hit up on the green, and they still weren't even on the green. So I just picked up my ball. And I was like, I'll take a six on this when I was literally like 50 yards from the green on my second shot. I was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to take a six and get out of here because I cannot sit here for 25 minutes on a hole. But anywho, take your grandma golfing. She'll love it. My grandma loved it. She got to sit outside. It was beautiful. Just got to be outside the whole time. Didn't have to do too much. You know, I got her some, I literally had her some chocolate, some snacks, you know, like a Diet Coke. I'm like, yeah, grandma, just be here, watch me golf. And starting next week, you could take her out to dinner. Yeah, right. If you so choose. Take her out to dinner after you get done golfing. So. I'm also reading this. The Detroit News is reporting no gyms, as I said earlier, but the opening of swimming pools, day camps for children, and outdoor gatherings of up to 100 people. For sports news, that is incredibly good news. This is just a first step. The fans are going to be the last thing that are going to sporting events. I think that you guys, our listeners, need to understand that very, very clearly. Spectators are going to be the last thing that go back to sporting events. No matter what the capacity is. Because yeah, if you can only do 100, I mean, yeah, you're talking, they expanded the rosters to 30 this year for the Northwoods League. So there's 60 players right there for the two teams. Between coaches and, uh, you know, umpires, all that, people working in the stadium to do the scoreboard, all that, you're up to 80 now. Maybe you can let 20 fans in. Yeah. And for 20 fans, are you going to open up the uh, concession stand? No. Yeah. One know, of maybe. them. Maybe. One of them, probably. Yeah. And then do you start charging a premium because you only have 20 people that can get in? You have no idea. We'll have to find out. Yeah. But still, there, there's there's a lot of things that happened uh, over the last week. Obviously, the we'll have to get some clarity on what the safer at home order being lifted means, especially in the verbiage, in the MHSAA stuff. Um, it, it says, you know, we're going to wait to release some more guidelines when the safer at home order is over with. Obviously, they were just a few days early on that. But I can expect those by the end of this week. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, they already have from from what we talked about with Cody last week. They already have. I mean, when you, they when, already they already have different lines drawn out here. I'm sure they were prepared to have for the order to be lifted earlier than what they expected. So I'm sure we'll see that guidance here shortly. But let's go ahead and put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world. Get into the pulse, just so we can start talking about this. James, you kind of took the lead on this last Friday. MHSA did release a bunch of guidelines. They were a lot in line with the NFHS guidelines, but... Pretty similar. Yeah, pretty similar at the very least. I know Cody did a pretty good job of explaining some of the stuff to us, but these are the ones that are in paper and have been given out to all the member schools at MHSA. What are some of the things that stuck out to you as to how they're going to start moving in the very immediate future? Uh, I mean, a lot of it, they leave up to the schools themselves to kind of develop their own plans. So that's... I don't know if I would say problem or problem but you know part of the reason is you have 50 different reactions in the united states from state to state to covid and that was kind of becoming a problem 
because you had people trying to travel between states and all that stuff. Like, So if you have every different high school coming up with its own thing for this, then nobody's going to know what the rules are. You're only going to know your own rules in your own school. You're, just, not, you're not going to know the rules at Alpena or at wherever. It just makes me think back to when schools decided on snow days. They would all just wait, or at least when I went to high school, they would all just wait on when the bigger school district would close to make their own decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the stuff is very common sense. There's a lot of a lot of suggestions in here for, you know, cleaning equipment and running practices. You know, they're going to have to run, you know, football practices where nobody touches the football more than once. So you're going to have to run a play during practice where the quarterback doesn't actually hand the ball off to the running back. I mean, they do that all the time anyways. Yeah, but I mean, in a, or throw it to a receiver. That that that's in the verbiage. Like yeah, there's there's no all kinds of equipment whatsoever. Yeah, there's for like baseball, volleyball, basketball, all these things. The the ball cannot touch more than one person. Well, then the game can't be played. But this is like for practice guidelines. Just practice for, guidelines. for practices and stuff. I mean, the, and and a lot of this is just it's how, kind of how you interpret it, I guess. You know, because there's they have different stages, just like just like Michigan did. But it says like example. Here's one of the examples: a basketball player can shoot with a ball, but a team should not practice or pass a single ball among a team where multiple players touch the same ball. So you're going to have different colored balls. And then balls. they basically restate that same thing for football and volleyball and softball. No, Wrestlers mean. may drill without touching a teammate. Cheerleaders may not practice or perform any stunts or building, you know, where they do the mm-hmm. stacks and stuff like that. They can do chants and jumps by themselves. And everything. Tennis players may do individual drills, wall volleys, and serves, but they can't play against each other. Okay. Because they would be hitting the same ball. One of the weird things I too I thought is it says all students should bring their own water bottle. Water bottles will not be shared. And then it follows that up with hydration stations should not be utilized. So like the, you know, no, so like so like so like the water trees that you cups see or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So like the water trees and stuff like that that you see there. I would think that you would just let the kid bring their own water bottle and have them use their own water bottle and they could fill it from the water tree. Mm-hmm. It specifies water cows, water troughs, water fountains. For like football players. And it's just it, for for all sports. So like, I'm like, how the heck are you gonna do a football practice in the heat of August where a kid's only allowed to have one bottle of water? I think they're being vague on purpose too. Yeah, but I mean, it's just how how are you gonna how are you gonna do some of these things? It's I mean, it's not it's not that I, I mean, if you and because you coaches, can't keep it cold, what coaches you can't keep do, it cold what coaches that long will because, do is they're gonna buy a 48 pack of water bottles and give it out to their team one at a time, single serve waters. That's mm-hmm. what you have to do. And, I mean, it's, they're not going to let their kids go thirsty. You can't have hydration packs, but you can give out bottles of water. So mm-hmm. they'll do that. There, there's ways around all this stuff. Yeah, but you're Traverse City West, and you have 80 kids on the football team, and you have to have a brand-new bottle of water for them every time they take a break, and they have mandated state breaks yeah. for the temperature things in here. You're going to be going through truckloads of water. And none of these teams have been doing any fundraising during all this. So they're going to be starting with less money than they normally do, and they're going into a season. That's all. I, that's all. That's the only way I can see a way around it. If you're not able to use water source from from the team or from the building. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking maybe they would just get a, maybe you could just get a big cooler, kind of like what they have up in the press box at Thrillby. You have it down on field level, and you put a bottle in there one at a time. Each kid puts a bottle in there, and then they drink that one, and then they put another one in for themselves for the next break or something. But these are the kind of things that you're going to have to fix, figure out in all of this. I, I, I don't want to be a, a stickler, but I have a feeling that they will do their best to eliminate guidelines such as that as quickly as possible, if not by the time the actual season starts. Yeah, because they, can always, like they can always amend this. 
So I imagine they're going to start as restrictive as they can, and then they can use stuff. Exactly, and that's what they that's what they say in the beginning of this is that this is going to change. And like I said at the beginning of our talk here, after the stay at home order has been lifted, this already I'm not saying it's obsolete, but this already has you know big questions here saying, oh man, is this stuff changing? Because now we're looking at a possibility of schools being able to open, looking at a possibility of facilities and gyms being able to be used. Maybe a lot of coaches right now. And I, I got to mm-hmm. be honest with you. One thing right now, I know that we haven't had any type of practices or anything in a long time, but normally, if you have to think about normally, coaches and athletes are really not allowed to be doing anything together right now, right? Like normally, on this yeah. day, like normally right now, non-coronavirus, this is not when teams are using balls and practicing against each other in tennis and everything like that, right? Right now, it's still that down period. So they still kind of have a little bit of time to work with and kids could still be on the exact same schedule that they normally would be in the fall where they're able to play and practice with the football in hopefully four, five weeks. They'll actually be able to run plays. I mean, that makes it tough for me. And it also, I feel like that might dissuade some kids from going out and doing stuff right away. Not only with their own safety, but what, so you're telling me, you know, we got to go to football practice for the next three months and never play football? You know, or we got to go to basketball practice for the next three months, and all I do is shoot around with lone basketball. I could just do that at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I could just sit in my driveway and use my own basketball and shoot around for four hours without going anywhere. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's going to, I feel like it's going to bring up a lot of challenges for coaches. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of challenges for students. I mean. Yeah. What I, what I thought was the most ominous sentence in the, uh, in the whole thing, which is, which is 10 pages long. Uh, well, nine really, and then there's a form on the back that you can have kids fill out, kind of like the one we have to fill out to come into work. But it says, due to the near certainty of recurrent outbreaks this coming fall and winter in some locales, MHSA member schools will prepare for periodic school closures and the possibility of some teams having to isolate while in season. I saw that as well. That, like, really stuck out. Well, I mean, that's part of those contingency plans mm-hmm. that I think Cody was talking about last week. That's one of those things that... They, doctors expect it, government officials expect it, that's who they're listening to. I would assume that they would, they would think that it's going to happen again. They have to have those type of plans ready. Because this is it. To at least one, get people, it doesn't matter. If one to at least kid, people get people to think about it. But regardless, if one kid on a basketball team gets diagnosed with coronavirus, that whole basketball team is quarantined. And even the whole that's people, it. everyone in that stadium. There, whatever, was, well, I mean, there was that thing. This in, is why they yeah. aren't going to be, whatever, whatever, I'm telling you, whatever guidelines the the professionals and stuff like that go with it's not going to be the same having with all these kids around they're just because 50 percent capacity is allowed at the pit spitters or something i don't think it's going to be the same thing here uh, they are going to be more productive over these kids than it will be over some other things and it's not just like oh yeah spectators are back once again we this is something we have to talk about we have yet to talk about but they even tiered out the spectators or who's allowed to come to games number one is Security, coaches, players, athletic training, and medical personnel. Mm-hmm. Officials, event staff. Yeah. yeah. Two, media. Media. And Three, now, everybody else. Yeah, vendors and spectators. Yep. Which, so. the parents, you're a spectator. doesn't matter if it's your kid or not. You are a spectator. And you are on the lowest tier of when they're going to start allow people, allowing people back. Depending on the mm-hmm. capacity and everything like that. I'm just out here telling... I'm trying to give it to you straight right now to our listeners. Like, there's a good chance, regardless of how good this gets, that 
there is not going to be a lot of spectators at high school sports in the fall. Mm-hmm. And I mean not a lot at all. And then one of the interesting possibilities that I that kind of came to my head was, you know, with them urging teams to reduce their travel and stuff and, and having to try to social distance on buses still and everything. The, the athletic directors were like, you know, we could be forced to take three buses instead of one bus, you know, or rely on parents to take kids to games if we can't. Because some schools can't afford. You just, well, the majority of the majority of the schools up here would have to have them hire extra 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 buses, or you know, extra bus drivers, own, you know, drive the games or whatever. Yeah. So so then you're into the thing where you have you drive your kid two hours to a football game that you then can't watch. Yeah, listen to it in the parking lot. Yeah, maybe if you're lucky, you get to listen on the radio. If this does happen where there's football without spectators, I you know I hope it um, leads to more of high school football being in the radio. That would be nice. Or maybe the NHS, MFHS network expanding to actual television. Mm-hmm. That would be nice, a nationwide high school network on television. Or more things sprouting up like the Rambler Sports Network and the MHSA, not you know, just letting them broadcast, broadcast in, instead of the, some of the restrictions that are there now. And I know a lot of people are going to, Listen to this and be like, "Why is high, why is a high school football game in the middle of Traverse City where that's been open for a couple weeks now being affected by this?" Well, there was actually an article in the Indy Star I read that five people died after attending a high school basketball sectional. Yeah, no, I just, in the middle it's, of March. It's, it's it's plain and obvious. This is just because we're in Traverse City or we're in Northern Michigan does not mean that this is not affecting us or cannot affect everybody. End of story. Regardless, mm-hmm. if we were a little bit ahead of the curve. Everybody's done a good job. That's the point, is you have to continue to do a good job in order to keep it the way that it is. And just going like, oh, yeah, we're doing good. Here you go. It's not going to work like that. I just know, thank God we that this is June 1st, and it's starting to iron itself out a little bit. That means we have at least two full months before actual practice would really be getting started. Right, August 1st is really when high school sports start to kind of kick back into gear in Michigan normally, mm-hmm. we can be on track to have the season the way it is, but I we know, I'm looking at a 10-page document, this season is going to look nothing like we've ever seen before. Yeah. It also gives it also gives the public two months to uh, to show to people that they can act responsibly enough that sports can come back. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be part of it. They, you're going to look and see what happens over this summer and whether – numbers spike or just just the behavior of people and how people are acting i mean are, are people being safe or not and if they're not right after the the stay-at-home order is lifted are they going to be at a football game probably not they'll forget about it by then yeah uh just a side note mhsa response to the news today from whitmer's office will be coming in 24 to 48 hours so we'll make sure to update you on that on next week's episode let's go ahead and talk a little bit about pittsburgh's baseball James, you and I were down at the stadium last week, kind of got to see some stuff, and I got a chance to talk to Josh Reban and Mickey Graham, who's going to be on this podcast. But the Northwoods League is like the only collegiate baseball league that didn't cancel their season for this year. Like, maybe not the only one, but pretty much the only one. Definitely the biggest one. Uh, They plan on starting on June 15th over in the Dakotas, and we're hoping to have baseball back in Traverse City before July 1st. With the safer at home order being lifted today, I feel like that gives us a higher likelihood of having at least games going on here in the next couple of weeks. But what do you think the beginning of the season will look like for the Pittsburghers 
if they're able to kick up in two weeks. I know I talked to Mickey a little bit about getting players here and trying to get them to kind of like meld and form into a team in a very short amount of time. But what do you think the beginning of the season looks like for the, the pit spitters if it's able to happen in the next two weeks? Um, if it's in the next two weeks, I think there'll be limited amount of fans like we kind of talked about earlier. But I think within within a couple of weeks, you could see the progression into the next stage of the reaction to to COVID and, and those be reduced even, you know, those restrictions being lifted further and maybe they say 500 people or 250 people or something like that. Now you're talking where it's a big enough number that you can have a decent amount of spectators in a game and enough for it to be financially viable for the team putting the game on to open up their concession stands because if you're only going to have 20 people in there, is that going to pay for enough people to, well to do all have, that stuff? You might as well just have one person standing in the concession stand. Might as well just have Mickey Graham standing in the concession stand and making meals by order. Might as well just be one person at a grill. Yeah, making a meal by order. But yeah. the big because, thing... Because the, you could hear it in the ballpark. They could just yell, Jake, your hot dog's ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need... So the one thing, the one thing that I was thinking about was... Uh, when I talked to Mickey last week, I asked the question was, did he think that they're going to require face masks at the stadium? He said they weren't sure yet, but they were very, they were tossing around some ideas. Something for spectators, I was just thinking, I, what I think you can expect is to, when you're mobile in sporting events, you have to have a face mask on. If you're going to concession stands or going to the bathroom or whatever, but if you're sitting at your seat... They're not going to make you wear a face mask because they think you're going to be eating and drinking and everything. But what Mickey told me is the guidelines that they are already putting in place or what they're, you know, kind of preparing for is to have, like, pods of fans of their families who come to the game together. And they can set them in seats and groups and make sure that they are, you know, an admirable distance away from each other throughout the seats. But mm-hmm. um, I, I do feel, and Mickey said, he, I believe he feels that the tables will be more popular this year. Uh, because people will be able to sit bet. around a table and they can they can literally just take two or three tables out of each one of those sections just so there's more than enough space yep. for each one of and those. The, and the suites. Exactly. And the suites will probably be very, very... Well, that's... A, the suites, I'm not sure. I should have asked that. We'll have to ask him today if the suites will be open. Because that that's a, you know, a bunch of people in an enclosed area. Um, it might not be the same as having people outside. Yeah, but in theory, they're all people that came there to the game together. Probably so, not. Just because you have a suite doesn't mean that's usually you're not. Usually maybe they just have that restriction people. on it. It could be. We'll have to see. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that interview with the Pittsburghers general manager Mickey Graham. Here he is. The Get Around Podcast welcomes the. Traverse City Pittsburghers General Manager Mickey Graham, thank you so much for joining us to talk about the future of baseball this summer in Traverse City. No, my pleasure, guys. I appreciate the invite. I know the last couple of weeks have been a whirlwind for you guys. Had a virtual opening day just last week when you guys were supposed to resume, or not resume, but start play here in Traverse City. I know everybody's a little bit disappointed that you guys haven't been able to get started yet. But we've heard a lot of good news out of the Northwoods League in the last couple of weeks, including that, one, it's not canceled like the majority of, of majority of other collegiate baseball leagues this summer, but also that there have been many plans and already things moved into action to get this season underway. So we want to talk to you about what the Pittsbitters are doing and what the league is doing in order to bring sports and baseball back to Traverse City this summer. Some teams are starting to play on 
in four weeks, or two weeks, sorry, on June 15th. The Northwoods League is, uh, and that's because our league has taken a different approach to this in regards to who's open, who's not. They're taking a more regional approach. So the different regions that the teams are in, if they're open and their stadiums are available to start play, those teams are start playing. And so right now, um, there's a team in Bismarck, North Dakota. And North Dakota is not quite the governmental guidelines that the rest of the states and countries have that the Northwoods League is in. And so they're taking a really unique, innovative approach to this. And they are going to have um, the team from Thunder Bay, Canada, move to Bismarck for the summer because the Canadian border is not going to be open probably for teams traveling back and forth. So Thunder Bay is moving to Bismarck, and then they just start up a brand-new team, too. So there's going to be like a the Bismarck A team, the Bismarck B team, so to speak. And so they're going to have three teams playing one stadium starting on June 15th. And I think that's really cool that the league is letting Bismarck do that, just to get some baseball going. You know, every every town needs their sense of normalcy right now, and that's what baseball can bring to this. And so the folks in Bismarck are going to see baseball almost every night from June 15th through the end of August. And so and it'll be interesting to see how they, how they schedule that and how that works out, but good for them. I think, I think it's fantastic that uh, there's going to be some baseball play this summer in the, in the region. Now I want to talk about our regional approach. I, I kind of talked to you a little about this, about this last week, but I want to clarify it for our audible viewers uh, with the regional approach and something like Bismarck. I know we are kind of lucky to have a few, a few teams in Michigan in the Northwoods league, you know, you have Kalamazoo, you have Battle Creek, you have Traverse City. We have other teams that are pretty close in the travel pattern. What have the what have the discussions been like for? Yeah, um, things have been moving pretty quickly in the last few weeks, specifically. Traverse City, Pittsburghers, and the region that you guys are going to be a part of. Traverse City is probably the least geographically um, <laughs> available team or city right now in the league just because the closest team is three hours away. And so even though we could opt in to play, and hopefully we can pretty soon, you still need somebody to play. And that's when you bring up Battle Creek and Kalamazoo as the closest teams to play. Um, because we're in different regions of the state, things are operating a little bit different. Uh, today the governor is saying region 6 and 8 can open up to, you know, the next level. So that means groups of 100 people can start getting together outside. I don't know what that means for Battle Creek and Kalamazoo, if that applies to them or not. I haven't read through this whole thing because um, it just happened. But we seem to be a little bit different, a little further ahead, so to speak, than the, the, the teams downstate. So that may be kind of an odd thing we're going to deal with, that if we can opt into play before the other teams in Michigan, then we're going to have to figure out who we can play. And that may mean we're playing teams in Wisconsin. That means the guy's going to be on the road a lot driving through the UP to play teams in Wisconsin because if three or four teams in Wisconsin can opt in while we can, you know, right there's a nice little pod that we can play in. So all this is going to have to be played out, you know, different levels. It's going to be worked through about who we can play, when we can start playing and such. But ideally it is us, Battle Creek, Kalamazoo, and then there's a team in Kokomo, Indiana. Right there, there's four teams that are on the east side of the the league, that would make a nice little pod to play for you know, July 1st or July 15th through the end of August. Do you know if the league considered, I guess, I'm calling it the Harlem Globetrotters model, where they're having the Washington, they're, they're always playing the Washington Generals, or they're always, the Bismarck teams always playing their, themselves 
in the same game. Do you know if the league considered that for Traverse City? Because you know, like it's like you said, that it was op- technically opened up a little earlier than others. Yeah, man. You know, I, anything's really possible right now with the goal of just trying to get games in and get our season started up and running. Anything is possible. So yeah, I, I could totally see a scenario right now. Like we can opt in for July first or July fifteenth start time, and Battle Creek Kalamazoo can't. Okay. And then there's an odd number of teams that can opt in because you need more of an even number of teams to be able to play. So I can see a scenario where we can opt in, Battle Creek, Kalamazoo can't, but we also can't join teams in Wisconsin as our little pod, so to speak. So can we get creative enough to bring in another team to play here? Maybe. Could it be team stations in another town regionally if there's a stadium there? Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to talk about these options and not knowing exactly how this is all going to play out over the next two or three weeks. We have to be open-minded. We have to be nimble. We have to be creative. And we have to be willing to do some different things. We have to play ball this summer. And that, I mean, that's as much <laughs> of a headache it is to try to figure this out. It is kind of fun and interesting to play through all these scenarios and then just be ready to go for whatever happens. And that's what our staff is doing now, trying to figure out you know, it's kind of like squeezing jello. That's what I like to say. <laughs> you're, you're trying to hold it and do something, but it's kind of slippery, and you're trying to figure out what it is that you're doing. But we're, we're working through those scenarios, and who knows? Maybe there is a Traverse City B team this year, and we play the same team 40 times at the ballpark. Yeah, I could see that happening. Now, speaking of the ballpark, I know that the guidance is going to be New and I mean I talked to you last Thursday and with you know Gov- Governor Gretchen Whitmer lifting the stay-at-home order and letting up to a hundred people gather. What does that mean for for fans or possibility of g- groups coming to the stadium um, and being able to enjoy baseball this summer? Yeah, it's a huge step forward. Um, you know, right now, a hundred people we probably wouldn't necessarily open the ballpark for hundred people just because it's not financially viable at that point. Because we have a lot of expenses when it comes to baseball. We've got two baseball teams we got to take care of. we got hotels. we got busing. So there's a lot of operational expenses into running the stadium. So right now, 100 people probably wouldn't uh, be able to pay the bill, so to speak. But it's a great step. And so if we see, you know, it could go from 100 people to 300 people, 400 people, or a percentage of capacity of the stadium, yeah, we're, we're really going to take a look at that and see if we can see that trajectory we want to bet on on that getting there. So maybe we open up and there's only three or 400 people out in the ballpark. I'm just making this up. It's all speculation, right? So you can't just charge those 100 people 50 bucks? (laughs) (laughs) An an exclusivity fee? (laughs) Yeah, everybody gets one one seat in a section and then just put them all around. Uh, Turn turn every Um, ticket into a VIP ticket? Your own personal waiter? (laughs) Heck, yeah, maybe we need somebody to play left field, too, you know, rotating <laughs> through the, the team. Um, yeah. Point. Yeah, but we can open up, you know, if we open up and we can think of, you know, we get 200, 300 people in the air, but by middle of July, end of July, maybe that opens up to 1,000 people. Yeah, we, we can see that scenario. It's just, that's going to have to be a guessing game on our part, you know, of what it is we think it's going to go and where we can you know, make it a financially successful season. Um, we want to give baseball back to everybody, but we can't do it in, in an irresponsible way as well. So those are things we're, we're looking at. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite the challenge. I know we talked a little bit about this last week, 
But can you talk a little bit about, a little bit about the challenges of bringing in guys from all across the country to play in Traverse City um, that are from all over the place with everything that is going on and trying to work with the health department to kind of see what you're going to have to do once you can get people here? Yeah, that's that's a great question. The fans, we can we can figure out. That's it's not great. It's not the great experience you're looking for, but you can socially distance fans. You know, the Cook family comes out. We can give them, you know, four seats in an area that's six feet apart from any other pod mm-hmm. of families. That we can figure out. It's the team because it's about 35 guys on the squad, coaches, trainers, and those are all people that are pretty tightly compacted together for the summer. And so we've been working with the Grand Traverse County Health Department, and they've been great, very helpful, answering our multitude of questions. We've just been peppering them with questions, and they've been very helpful and responsive in that. And so that's that's another whole another challenge we're going to have to do is how do you socially distance almost 40 guys together? In a dugout, too. Uh, <laughs> in, in a dugout, in a clubhouse. You know, the clubhouse most likely will end up being closed. Mm-hmm. For the and, guys. and a bus. You know, I mean, they, they – you know, the visiting team may have to change at their hotel and show up and just go right to the field because they're not going to be able to get 40 people in a confined room together. You know, there's social distance on the field, the dugouts. So we are going to add more seating potentially on the field or in the stands for guys to be spread out, you know. And I, this, is, more this, is a, this is a question that I just thought of when we were talking about it on the podcast a little bit earlier, but the, would these guidelines affect your suites or anything like that as well since they are in closed areas? Yeah, as it stands now, we think there's going to be 10 people per suite because that's what the guidelines are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In enclosed, it's 10. Outdoors, it's up to 100. Yep. Um, yeah, so it does affect it. We have suites that have 25 people. So if we opened up now, we could only put 10 people in those suites. But we'll see. In another month, that may change. And we'll be able to put some more people in there. But, yeah, you know, anything indoors is, is going to have to be a different experience. So even if you come to the ballpark, if we opened up July 1st, you know, it's going to be probably more like a restaurant type of feel. Mm-hmm. If you're in your seats, we, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you're up and walking around, we're probably going to ask you to wear a mask. If you're going into the souvenir store, you're going to need a mask. It's because it's an enclosed space. And that, that's how we're looking at it now. Again, four weeks from now, that may change. But we, we've put together a pretty extensive plan. Still putting some final touches on that. But that's how that's how we're looking at this. Indoor and outdoor is a different piece. Has today's news accelerated your guys' plans or changed your plans at all? Since we we thought at least the state safer at home order was going to be until June 12th. And like you said, by that point, you guys were going to have to try to opt in without knowing about that. But with that being lifted, what has that done for the Pittsfitters' chances? Yeah, it's accelerated our thinking quite a bit. Now we've been working hard and putting these plans together, so we're not totally starting from ground zero with our plans. It's just is accelerating what it is we're we're trying to do here and what we think the environment's going to be in three or four weeks. So we're we're going to have some more meetings um, as a staff. We could probably start having those in person next week, which is going to be nice to do versus you know teleconferencing all these things. Um, but it's just accelerating what we're doing. So that means if we next week is our opt-in week, we have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Opt-in, and now if we opt-in. These plans need to be set and ready to go, so we opt in and we get scheduled by like June fifteenth for July first date. We got to be ready to go. I mean, tickets on sale, clubhouse regulations done. Mm-hmm. Get an invite to all the players because the players need to probably come in about 
four or five days in advance of opening day so they can get some practices in. So all this stuff, it's gonna it's gonna come fast for our staff and um, that's what we've been preparing for. And we'll be ready to do it, it's just gonna be lightning. So we may have opt in. We may have schedule one day, you know. What? Tickets on sale two days later and you know, the team's coming in, you know, a week after that. Just a lot of things are gonna happen that normally happen over three or four months will probably happen within about a week or two. Now I, I'll ask this as kind of a two-part question, just because, just to begin with, is what what are the kind of the check marks or the boxes that you guys need to have checked in order to request to opt in to play as soon as possible with the Northwoods League, and do you guys plan on doing that? You know, it's it's all going to be dependent really on gatherings of people. I think we we, we touched on before right now. Um, looks like we're going to be able to do groups of 100 outdoor. And what that means is 100 people in the stadium, all socially distanced and done socially responsibly, but up to 100 people. We don't know if that's going to be a the starting point for us. If that is, we have to bet on you know being able to do more and more people at that point. So the, the check mark, the big check mark is going to be the environment of gatherings. You know, we, we have a pretty extensive plan. Anything that we do when we open is going to be socially responsible, safety is going to be the number one priority of us doing that. And if we don't think we can do it in a safe manner, we're not going to. But we feel like we can do it in a safe manner now. Even that's at 10, 15, 20% capacity of the ballpark, our plan is going to be able to do that, take care of people when they come in. So people feel safe coming to the ballpark. No, so we, we need to we need to do this safe because we want to be part of people getting back to a sense of normalcy. You know, having a beer and a dog at the ballpark in the summer is just an American tradition. And you need to offer that up to people. We miss it. We miss providing that opportunity right now where, you know, it's Monday, June 1st. We're supposed to have dime hot dog night tonight. You know, one of our favorite nights of the year because the whole staff just wraps hot dogs in the concession stand all, <laughs> all night long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a fun night to, to be able to do these things. And we want to offer that up to the fans. We need to get back to this normalcy piece. We need to give people you know, some hope that, you know, in the near future, we're all going to come through this together and come on the other side of this and get back to the way we like to do things. Mm-hmm. So if you if, if they don't make it more than 100 people, um, can you have 100 people in the stadium and then have the suites filled too because those are technically indoor? And does that include players and staff and the 100 people in the stadium? Do you have any idea? I'm assuming it doesn't include staff and players. At this point, when gathering 100 people, we're assuming that means 100 people in the stands. Our staff and players, because they're going to be separate from the fans, um, we assume that's going to be a different number. You know, if it is, if it includes that number, we're, uh, we're definitely not going to be able to open it for 100 people because that's just staff and players. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and we're talking about, you know, in the suites or on the stands, I don't, we don't know that number yet. Uh, we don't know what that is. I don't think there's many specific guidelines for venues yet, and so we're just going to have to wait to see what comes out of Lansing in regards to regards to that. We're assuming right now that if you get 500 people in a in a venue, that includes suites, you know, and, and stands, and then fans and players would be, or I mean, staff and players would be separate than what the fans are. Okay, so you were just talking about uh, uh, getting a hot dog and, and stuff being a tradition. So who are the leaders in the clubhouse for the new uh, the new food for this season? <laughs> and the, well, voting, the, the voting's thing, done, right? Voting's done. We have a winner. We haven't announced it yet. Oh, announce it right now, Mickey. 
announce it right now. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. The eight-foot corn dog is the winner. Eight-foot corn dog. Oh no. <laughs> As I said, I don't, I don't remember seeing that on there. No, that'd be great if you do that. Say, but that is, yeah, that would, that, we, we can get Guy Fieri out to Pittsburgh's Park or whatever if you got that going on. <laughs> the thing with our food, because we're having to revamp that as well, and we, we want a huge, varied menu. That's part of coming to the ballpark is, you know, get something that you want. You know, hot dogs are going to be king. They're going to be number one. But people want different items. And so what we've had to do recently, though, is look at the operation of a concession stand and how it runs and how you can do that as a socially distanced piece as well. Be socially responsible to your employees. And so that's going to mean we're going to have to cut down the amount of offerings we have because we can't have as many people working in an enclosed space. So we're, we're, we're working on what that menu is going to look like, and it may just be hot dogs, hamburgers, some deep fried items, and cotton candy. Not what we want to do, but maybe what we have to this year. So we kind of, we've been holding off on the winter, announcing that because we're not quite mm-hmm. sure right now if we can make that without two or three different people having to touch the food item as they prepare it. Mm-hmm. And these are all the stuff that we're, we're trying to figure out. You know, how, how do we do this? You know, hopefully we can do the food item because it's a sounds delicious if we can't do it maybe our staff will just make it ourselves and eat it every night but yeah well we'll figure we'll figure it out if it's not on this year we'll definitely make sure it's on next year i'm rooting for the uh the hamburger between two glazed donuts <laughs> isn't that called like the fatty or something and in this it's called the sticky fangas the sticky fangas I mean, has there, was there any other big developments in the last four days since I spoke with you, Mickey? Anything else that has either changed and/or you guys kind of made a decision on that I would like to know about? Yeah, no big decisions, but things have changed. When we talked on the 28th on our West Whisper opening day, and we were doing the hot dog luncheon, you came out. We talked about that. You know, obviously today things have escalated quickly in our world. You know, the, the state homes getting lifted. You know, groups of a hundred. I mean, that's all this is coming pretty quick. I mean, two weeks ago, we just got the you know restaurants could open up in northern Michigan, and now starting next week, we need groups of 100. So things are changing quick, and we hope that it keeps changing in, in that direction. Hopefully, we haven't messed it up up this way and you know have some done more cases over the last couple of weeks. Um, and so it's going to it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next two or three weeks, and if things continue the way we're going. Um, we feel really optimistic about having a six or eight week baseball season. And did you guys on uh, on your virtual opening day? Did you guys keep an unofficial or official uh, count of how many people came through? We did uh, just about two hundred lunches, so it was great. Okay. And then that means there's two hundred that were donated to the Munson people too. We're going to deliver those this week too. We're still working months on that, but so it was great. I mean, we had we had a lot of cars come through, and we did other things you don't really know what to expect, but. You know, we we felt that was a good turnout, and you know, we feel really good about the people that want to come out and support the team. And a lot of can't wait for baseball to get started. Can't wait, you know. And we're like same way, and we we, we can't wait for it to get started as well. Alrighty, Mickey. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time out of obviously what is busy and only going to be getting busier schedule. Uh, we here at the Get Around at the Record Eagle are extremely excited to get back out to Turtle Creek Stadium or the newly named Turtle Creek Stadium. Uh, to watch you guys play this summer. So thank you very much for your time, Mickey. No, thanks, guys. And when you come out, we'll make sure we got those donuts in the hammer. ready for <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Hey 
Another huge thank you to Mickey Graham for joining us here at the Get Around. We are very excited to get baseball back here. I know I can't wait to go sit up in the press box and watch some of that. Just hear the crack of that bat. We'll just, uh, I can just imagine the feeling it'll be. You make the hair stand up on the back of my neck just thinking about it. Anyways, that interview brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. While we're talking about the subs, let's go ahead and get one of our loyal Audible viewers fed. This week, it was Joshua Mills from Frankfurt. Thank you so much for interacting with us on social media. We will get those sub coupons sent out to you. Remember, like, share, comment, retweet, whatever you may do with this podcast. As long as we see you interacting with us, you are entered in to win a couple of free subs from Jimmy John's here in Traverse City. Let's go ahead and move into our final discussion of the greatest athlete of all time. The people have spoken. Northern Michigan has chosen. And Michael Jordan once again, has been selected as the greatest athlete of all time. No surprises here. I just wish him a man's Kobe. He didn't put up that bad of a fight, but... What was the final vote? I believe it was somewhere in the, in the range of 71 to 29. Okay. That's a little bit bigger of a spread than I would have expected. I, yeah, me too. He, 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 put up, he didn't put up as good of a fight as I thought he might. But I can see, you know, Michael Jordan has just been 77-23. So he got a little bit more. He got 2% more than I thought. Yeah. But uh, it was one of our, our highest voted polls, so we know that everybody was sticking around. We appreciate you guys voting on our Twitter and sticking with us for, what was it, six, seven weeks or whatever it was? A little for a month. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while now that uh, we were talking about the GOAT vote, and you guys know neither James nor I wanted Michael Jordan to win this. I did. You didn't. So they listened to me, not you guys. But that says something about the guy. You didn't that... say anything. You didn't even make an argument. They didn't. Listen I did. To I crap. just said vote for Michael Jordan. They listened. They, they listened to the documentary. I'm glad that I had. Uh, I'm glad that I had Kobe make it all the way to the final. That means I had some good, uh, good points made because he beat he beat LeBron James. I mean, I was happy with that. That was that was really the argument that I had the majority of my like you know formidable formidable years was mm-hmm. Kobe versus LeBron, and it was always Kobe. So I was just reaffirmed in that situation. I'm okay with that. I'm sure if you put Michael Jordan up against literally any athlete in that 64-team pool, he would have won no matter what. Well, that, that was the sh- point. That, that, that shows you he's the greatest athlete of all time. Yeah, that's the point. I mean, well, he's also the most recent one of all the 64 to have a 10-part documentary that <laughs> almost everybody that was as a sports fan watched. Yeah. On him. Yeah, even, even so. if you were a hockey fan, you probably watched that just because there was nothing else going on. Yeah. But... I'm not disappointed in our voters. I am very proud of our voters. I'm very proud of our Audible viewers and our Twitter followers for sticking with us and basically reaffirming every bias that's ever been told to me in the last 20 years that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Do you guys have any other arguments to the contrary? This is the last. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I've already stated my my position. I'm really soft that Bo Jackson didn't really do a thing. Um, There's some historic athletes like Will Chamberlain. I'm going to continue to vouch for him. Guys, and then female athletes, like even Jenny Finch, did so much to game of softball, it didn't really get much votes. So, I, I I think sometimes, I'm not I'm not mad that Michael Jordan won, like you like you guys probably are, but I think we got to go back at some of these, some of these uh like some of our viewers have to go back to some of these names and be like, really do some sports research and just realize how much sports have changed over the years. We'll be bringing along. Some other form of bracket over the summer. We had fun with it. It's something mm-hmm. to talk about. What well, we did, snack mad or March snackness, s- starch, starch, starch madness, madness, and then the goat vote. The goat vote. 
we're gonna have to come up with something else. I know in the previous uh, previous years we've done sports movies and things like that. So hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what the next bracket should be. Anything really. We can have fun with it. Who's so, the best? One around. of the ones, one of the ones yes. we're doing over the summer is the uh, who has the best football helmet. Yeah, that'll be closer towards football season. We're gonna kind of try to kick up football season with that. James already procured all the uh, all the images, so we can kind of uh, show you guys the area of football helmets. Would we have 30, 32 of them? Thirty helmets. Thirty helmets. So I think, pretty, I think we're gonna, so we're gonna have to throw two place fillers in there. Yeah, I think we're gonna take a couple of the new uh, Northern Michigan Football League, uh, or or maybe have buys. Maybe Central and West get a buy. <laughs> the St. Francis people wouldn't be too happy about Probably that. Probably not. Wouldn't be too happy about that. But make sure you keep it locked on our Twitter for all of our contests and polls and interaction. We love to hear from you. That segment is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. They spend six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. We got to get into the Hall of Fame, gentlemen. We've been putting kids in still. Regardless if there's nothing going on, they still deserve it. We're going to go ahead and go into the world of boys' golf today. There was actually a little event this past weekend that one of our new members took the crown at. James, who was that? Yeah, we actually had an event this week, like a real live event. The Traverse City Junior Golf Association put on a uh, high school golf tournament at the Interlochen Golf Course this week, and uh, Tyler Gillings from Traverse City West Senior came out on top of that. And, uh, he shot a 76, beat out uh, Jake Bedoin by one shot, and uh, he, you know he parred eight of the last nine holes on the way to doing that. So to hold on to that leagues leads, that's pretty good. 27 of the top golfers from around here playing in that tournament. I'm sure they were excited to get back on the course. I'll go ahead and stick in the golf realm, and I'm going to go with Joshua Lavely from Elk Rapids, the sophomore. He was on our dream team last year. Finished, I believe, it was fifth in regionals. Uh, after shooting a fantastic 77 and 72 in those rounds. Uh, man, I wish I had golf that good. We're getting there. But who's your nomination, Andrew? I'm not getting there. I don't think I'm ever getting there. After shooting a 41 on a 35, like, because par, a par 35, I was like, all right, it's not 36. I'll take it. And then, boom, it's par 35, and I got a 41, and I only shot six over. Man, I could have been shooting like an 80. I just hope that I get past tenter, temper tantrum stage in golf. You will. Take your grandma and with golf you. Throwing. Take your mom with you. I'm telling you, you know. go pick her up down, down stage and the, go the, golfing. Although on Sunday I did not swing my club in anger, I don't think. I did. Once the whole match. I uh, I made two divots. But we were playing a scramble, too. Oh, that's good. It makes it easier. Yeah. Andrew, who's your nomination? Jake Bedoin from Charlevoix, who Gillings beat by a single shot. I'm going to err on the side of... He shot a 77. Other guy shot a 76. Two extremely good scores. And I, mean, I believe he's only a junior, right? Yeah. yeah only a junior out of Charlevoix. And the first competitive golf that you play all year round, and you get a 76, 77. Those two guys killing it. I uh, mean, at the top of the leaderboard. The golf courses have only been open for a little over a month, and they've only that month. I mean, they only had a practice for that long, that much time too. All right. Or that section sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. That's going to move us into our final segment of today's episode, which is our trifecta. And I found this one on the internet because I couldn't quite be original and come up with a really good one. But I like this. I like this question. And I had to put a little stipulation on it because it's way too easy if you ask it that way. But if your life had a mascot, what would it be? And it cannot be 
like your college or high school mascot, like one that like you already personally identify with. <laughs> it has to be like some other mascot. It could be an animal. It could be a a knight. I I don't know. What is, what is your answer, gentlemen? I'm not going first on this one. I go first quite often. I want to toss it out to the gallery here. So, Western Kentucky University, their mascot's the Hilltoppers. Um, I, listen, I, I watched a lot of SB Nation's John Boyce, and he actually ranked uh, all the mascots by how heavy they are. The Hilltopper couldn't be defined, so it was all the way at the top of the list. So, I'm actually going to uh, be inspired by that and say my mascot would be a snowcap. Of a mountain, you see, like you know, when you go to like Albuquerque, I've been to uh, Colorado, uh, Las Vegas. The first thing you see when you land is those mountains, and you're just like, "Oh, there's snow like ten thousand feet above the, uh, where we are right now." That's pretty wild. That I want people to think that way of me when they first see me. They're like, "Oh, there's this guy." Who's uh, I don't even know where I was going with that, but covered in snow. Covered in snow, on his own little or a little bubble. You're so tall. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta start wearing like a white beanie then. Wear like a white beanie around, and then we can call you Snowcap. Snowcap. Like some I guess South Park outfit. Yeah, you'd be like Cartman, but with just like a white beanie and a little puff mm-hmm. ball on top. <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing a hat everywhere now that has a Colorado not, Rocky hat. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not wearing a hat for the first time in months. I'm happy about it. Anyways, James, what about your mascot? I was just kind of trying to think of something that would be kind of cool, maybe in you know intimidating. I'm not I'm not intimidating or anything, but if you're just coming up with like a mascot for like your like your new school or whatever, you want it to be to have some sort of intimidation factor, right? So I was thinking assassins. The assassins. The assassins. So what? But what would your mascot look like if it was an assassin? Like. What what would be what would be like, like the maybe logo? Like, maybe like like a like a ninja dressed in black or something. Just like an all all black ninja just. <laughs> come, uh, on, so, come up with something cool. Okay. The assassins. You know, the assassins. You know, I mean, I was a nerd when I was a kid, and I played Dungeons and Dragons, and a lot of times I would play an assassin. It's like Assassin's Creed. Phenomenal hmm. game. Yeah, there, well, there's like sixteen of them. Which one? They're all phenomenal. <laughs> three and four. Uh. I, uh, you went last, and you still don't have yours picked out. No, I know I had one, but you kind of made me think into like I, for whatever reason I was really thinking about animals. Mm-hmm. But then you just made me think like a different way about it when you went with like a person or like an assassin. I was thinking about animals. What um, was the animal you were gonna go with then? I was. I mean, I was gonna go with like a like a saber tooth tiger, like some like prehistoric crap, uh, just like like or like a woolly mammoth. That'd be legit. <laughs> Does have a woolly mammoth walking around behind you or something? Like, obviously, it's prehistoric. A dinosaur? Yeah, I, I would never want to be, like, the dinosaurs, though. Or, like, we would have to be a specific dinosaur, you know? That, you know, yeah, yeah like... T-Rexes? Yeah, but that's too basic. You want to be, like, that, that Allosaurus or whatever it is from the Jurassic World that destroys the T-Rex. Yeah, I'd have... Al- I'd, be, I'd be the Atnip Allosauruses. Uh, that's what it, Jake Allosaurus Atnip. That'd be my that'd be my mascot right there. Mm-hmm. Just goes and just tears crap up, just destroys everything. Comes in just like, I think the Allosaurus has bigger arms than the T Rex too. So I'll take that. I that's like why, that. That's why you know. That's why they got the T Rexes. Yeah, that's why you. That's why you. That's why you beat every other dinosaur because you actually have arms to do it with. Mercenaries. Like a woodpecker. Like Woody the woodpecker. Right there, a woodpecker. You have some really cool chance with that. Give me the wallflowers. The sisterhood of the traveling pants. 
Okay. Where'd that come from? I don't know. We're getting way down a rabbit hole. That just popped in my head. So that means that the show is over. Episode 129 has been a blast. Thank you to our Audible viewers for listening. Remember to like, share, comment, retweet to get a chance at some Jimmy John subs. And we turn 130 episodes old next week. So we will see you then.